the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plane talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections. It's Sunday, 4 o'clock, and that means it's the best hour in radio of the week. And holy moly, do we have an hour this week. Indeed, it is a celebration weekend. One of the biggest celebrations, and that is the celebration of the United States of America. The American experiment. How are we doing? Is it a light unto the nations? Is it an experiment reflecting how best to organize diverse interests, diverse people, diverse thought, and bring them all together in a union? A more perfect union. Well, that's what we celebrate today. Our founding fathers coming up with a plan, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about federalism. We're going to talk about a strong federal centralized government versus states' rights. And how our republic is melded in a manner that allows us to live as a union of states, the United States. We're going to talk about how our federal government was organized in a separation of powers and checks and balances, including the power and authority of the Supreme Court. It is a perfect day to discuss such topics. We'll probably throw in the Electoral College And the debate over that as well. And maybe we'll learn something. The lines are going to be open today. 651-289-4488. 651-289-4488. I know you have it jotted down on your yellow pad. But if you don't yet, pull out that number two pencil and get her down. 651-289-4488. I'm going to walk through a tutorial on the subjects I just discussed. 246 years ago, this weekend, the United States declared, that's right, the United States, which at the time is much smaller, certainly, as you all know, than it is today. We now have 50 states. Can we still be united? 246 years ago, declared its independence, created a country, 
and then had to figure out how to organize that country, how to develop a system of laws that allowed this diverse amalgam of people that had come, had come together to live together, whether they agree or disagree with this law or that, to follow the law. to continue to evolve and to, through its elected officials and elections that had integrity that they could count on to create new law as they sent their representatives to state legislatures to develop state laws and to the federal government out in Washington, D.C. to develop federal law. All of it governing how we interact person to person and develops, it developed restrictions on our own conduct and actions. Is this the best way to organize diverse thought? And boy, is it ever diverse. You think the folks in California uh, view things the same as those in Kansas? Or how about those in New York? They view the same uh, as those in Idaho or Alabama to Oregon, but we're all United States. How are we going to come together in marriage one to another, state to state? Have a centralized government that controls everything? That's not what the Constitution says. So we're going to take a look at those issues today on this 4th of July weekend and what a great celebration that it is. Celebration for the most free country in the world, arguably. And a country that shows by example what freedom can bring. Innovation, invention, freedom of thought and ideas, allowing for, through the hurly-burly of debate in the public square and discussion and the expansion as large as the universe to any individual's mind to bring to bear new ideas, oftentimes results in the best ideas. And we've seen it time and time again coming from the shores of the Pacific here in the United States to the Atlantic, to the Gulf, to the border in Canada. We can be proud of it, and we should be proud of it. We'll talk a little bit about what they're teaching in schools. It's quite a bit different. Take out that yellow pad, though, again, and uh, have your pencil ready now. In a couple of weeks, uh, mid-July, we're going to have Democrat Senator, State Senator Ron Latz on the show. July 17th, Senator Latz will be joining us. Been on the Judiciary Committee for many, many years, and he will be able to talk to us a language that we might not all agree with, but that's okay. 
respectful discussion with Senator Latz about Democratic policy. He knows it well, been over at the state Senate for many, many years. And I will uh, put it to him as to how it is that our economy can expand and grow with stifling taxes that bring in billions of dollars beyond the budget here in the state of Minnesota. It's the people's money. It's not the government's. It's the people's money. So what are they going to do with it over there at the state? Yeah, they're figuring that out. Trying to work, Republican and Democrat, to come up with some good messages. Tim Walls, is he the next guy? I don't know. We'll talk to Ron Latz about politics in that regard as well. And the following week, we'll continue that discussion. On the 24th of July, that's right, in just a few weeks, Matt Burke will be joining us. Candidate for lieutenant governor in the state of Minnesota, running with Dr. Scott Jensen, who was on just a few weeks ago on the radio show. So we will hear what Matt Burke, one-time center for the Purple, has to say about the upcoming race for governor here in the state of Minnesota. Before we uh, break and then come back and talk about civics and political science and some of the hand-wringing that is going on around this country that has turned into protests, turned into violence, turned into uh, intimidation for sure. Uh, Before we talk about that and the impact of the Supreme Court, we're going to set that up because I'm going to go through the Supreme Court uh, decisions today that came down in this term, and I believe that there is an argument to suggest that this term at the United States Supreme Court may be the most, not just controversial, but consequential terms in our lifetime, potentially in our lifetime, many of our lifetime. There were, uh, there were some terms back in the 30s that might have been as consequential, and then again, maybe in the 60s. Uh, maybe in the 60s. But uh, I will tell you, they just, one after another after another, and we're going to talk about these Supreme Court decisions that came down in the last few weeks, well, during uh, the month of June. Uh, but before we do, very just very quickly, I saw a note uh, about an event that was held, I think it was last night, in fact, a huge Somali community event celebrating Somali Week which interestingly is uh, two weeks actually in length, Somali week. And it highlighted uh, one of the first appearances in North America of, uh, of an enormous global sensation, uh, Solden Sarar. It was held at the Target Center. And this enormous Somali Week event, which with primarily all 18 to 30-year-olds, a huge event, really. 
uh, as you all know, there's a large Somali community in the Twin Cities. Uh, who is not going to miss that event? Ilhan Omar is not going to miss that event. So she she was there. And unfortunately, it didn't quite turn out the way that she expected, as word is, resounding boos for Ilhan Omar at Somali Week that occurred last night. And that's interesting, isn't it? You know, there's, uh, I don't know if it's TikTok, but there's some sort of social media video of this event. You may want to look for it online. And you will see the shout-down of Ilhan Omar. Get out and other such chants and screams and catcalls from the audience. So, I don't know. Maybe Ilhan Omar can be beaten. But this has happened before. And then when it comes time to count the vote, she seems to get more vote than anyone could ever have imagined. Well, that did happen, though, last night. We're going to be right back after this short break. Go to ParkerDK.com while we're on break to learn more about Parker Daniels' keyboard. And also, go to MyPillow.com to purchase great products, from robes to slippers to sheets to bath towels and, of course, those great pillows. Put in offer code VICTORY for up to 66% off. Offer code VICTORY. Big discounts. We'll be right back. Stay with us. I can see the banner on the courthouse flying, proud red, white, and blue. I can see her waiting on the corner, smiling, because she feels just like We're back on a rough road. It's the victory hour. Today we are in the beautiful Salem Communication 1280 AM, the Patriot Studios in Egan, Minnesota. We are not in our normal broadcast site in downtown Minneapolis at the Parker Daniels Keyboard Studio today. As we're getting things updated over there, and we brought the show uh, back home, down to Egan. But next week, we'll be back to the Parker Daniels Keyboard Studios downtown. You know, as I thought about this 4th of July show, thought about the fact that We declared our independence. We then went to work. We went to work on many things, but perhaps most importantly is our organizational papers. That would uh, start with the Constitution of the United States. The legal foundation of all other laws that govern us. We came together with different ideas, those in the agrarian culture, those in the urban culture. 
those with thoughts of a strong centralized government, others thoughts of a decentralized state-centric government. After all, there were a number of colonies turned states, and many states have been added since. What rights do those states have? Why not just have one big state? Not a union of states, but the country would be just all governed by one centralized government and not split up into different regions or areas. Or even if you split them up, they don't have any independence or independent control. Or do you try to bring together all of the states as a union of states with both certain rights set into the state structure, but also overriding umbrella to bring the states together through a centralized power structure, i.e. the federal government. This is federalism. And if you know the Constitution, you know that any right not reserved to the federal government falls to the states. The Constitution is a, an, a remarkable document. It's an incredible document. Having lasted for, what, 240 years, just about, Uh, with, yes, changes, but not many compared to the issues that were tackled in the Constitution. No, not many at all. A remarkable document indeed. So are you with Thomas Jefferson, who believed in a decentralized form of government where the states would come together, but the states would dictate. Not the federal government, not the union of states. And how would you marry the two? Thomas Hamilton had a different view. And people today who argue with you or me, and say, Donald J. Trump did not get a majority of the vote, yet he was elected president, and then he appointed three justices due to the happenstance of vacancy during those four years, and now we have an entirely different country because those three justices were appointed by a man who got a minority amount of the vote. That's the argument. You may have heard it. You may have heard it a number of times. So what about the Electoral College? Does it make any sense anymore? I mean, if you're talking to the real left-wing wokester, you're going you're gonna to hear that the Electoral College is founded and grounded in slavery. 
in the idea that states were not to be forgotten and therefore the Electoral College was set up and these were states in which there was a large black population of slaves who did not get to vote, but they did not want to lose the power base that they had. So they created this idea of the Electoral College, which allows a president, for example, to be elected with a minority of the vote. Hmm. Interesting. Not my understanding of the Electoral College, though. The Electoral College is intended to give some weight some equivalency, not just one man, one vote, which is the law of the land, certainly. But should the state of California, to the extent that we recognize states and boundaries and borders, should the state of California basically control? I mean, after all, they have 55 electoral votes Texas has 38, Florida has 29, New York has 29. Those are the four biggest, uh, pretty much by far. But 55, uh, you, you set Texas aside, that's, uh, that's as much as two of the biggest others say, what, 58 if you put New York and Florida together. That's just California. So people who live in Idaho, you know, you can just ignore them unless there's an electoral college. And even with the electoral college, as I just said, California has immense power and authority. 55 votes if you you win California. So the electoral college is intended to even that out. Got a caller from uh, Bloomington, Daniel from Bloomington. Uh, you're on the air with the uh, Victory Hour. Good to hear from you today. Mr. Parker, I, I greatly appreciate your show. It's very thoughtful. Um, it's interesting you should bring up the squawking about the uh, Electoral College because it fits within what I called about, and that is we've become a grievance culture. I don't know if you saw the report, but the uh, uh, Cornell University removed from their library the bust of Lincoln and a copy of the Gettysburg Address because somebody complained. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. I did see that. It is amazing. It has reached comical. I mean, you have to cry, uh, but for, you know, it's reached comical dimensions where if, if you were, um, you know, like you and I learned civics back in uh, the day in elementary school, you would think it is a country on Mars. It's not about the United States. Exactly. Let me say one more thing about that. If you recall, oh, three, four years ago when Trump was still in office and they were tearing down uh, uh, statues, you know, left and right. And he mm-hmm. said, what's next? Washington? Lincoln? Yeah, they are. They thought he was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, and here and and here we are. Uh, thank you very much for the call today, Daniel. You have a wonderful Fourth of July and a great celebration of this uh, greatest country on God's green earth. 
But I'll tell you that what is happening in terms of the rejection of those with such brilliance, uh, laying the foundation and and uh, such broad shoulders that we all stand on uh, to reflect in such a negative way their lives, their contributions, uh, it's really outrageous and it's sad. It is sad. But the majority, the vast majority in this country do not believe in that. We need to push back. You're starting to see the pushback. And with the right candidates running for office with foundational ideals that evolve and are evoked by the Constitution of the United States, uh, we will push back. And these candidates need to be uniters, not dividers. It's important. Everybody in the middle feels that way, and they agree with us on most of these issues. But they do, wanna, they do not want to have the division that we are seeing. So we need leaders to come to the fore who can join together those with diverse perspectives and views. And that's the purpose of the Electoral College. That's why uh, it exists. Elected officials would simply ignore most states across the country if this were all about majority vote. Uh, And frankly, people who live, as I said before, in Kansas have different views than those who live in California. But both should be heard. Both should be heard. So the Electoral College protects that. And it has served us well for, well, a couple hundred years, right-o? Plus, we're going to talk more about federalism. We're going to talk about the separation of powers. And most importantly, we're going to talk about the decisions the Supreme Court has come down with in the next segment. So make sure to stay with us. We're listening to Kid Rock today. Patriotic Kid Rock at that. Darn right. Go to ParkerDK.com during this short break. And again, I got to tell you, it is a great time for patriotic Americans to buy my pillow products, mypillow.com. Use the offer code VICTORY. We'll be right back. Stay with us. It is the Victory Hour. It is the Victory Hour, and uh, we are back as we're talking about a wonderful barbecue weekend. The 4th of July! Yes, it is! We are celebrating goodness in America. God and country music. And if you are listening to George Strait ever, that's what we look at. That's what we focus on. God and country music. And 
I like it for this show. And it's grounded in what the United States stands for. Yes, indeed. It's, uh, there's not a state religion. No, there isn't. Everyone can practice whatever religion or none whatsoever if they choose. That's why at the top of the show I was talking about the fact that the Constitution and the entire idea of the United States, the Union of States, is grounded in freedom. The single idea of freedom. And when we talk about the 4th of July, well, that's the biggest piece of the celebration for me. Freedom. Now, we were talking about the genius of the founders in the Constitution. One of the pieces of that genius which has served us oh so well beyond the federalism that was created by the founders, the compromises that they engaged in, developing the electoral college for a selection process that does not yield far swings from this side to that like other countries see quite often. Changes in the United States come with deliberation, or they're supposed to, as it's one of the reasons that you don't want to end the filibuster, no matter whose side you're on or whose ox getting gored at a particular time, who's in power, who isn't. Because you need to be able to build some consensus in order to develop change or to move the needle one direction or another. It shouldn't be flying from one side to the next, and frankly, We've been seeing more of that recently than in uh, than than historically. Well, one of the things that protects us is the separation of powers, checks and balances. Separation of powers, uh, you hear it often. Some of us, you know, don't know what it really means, though. They have a sense of it. Separation of power is a model that divides the government into separate branches, okay? Each of which has separate and independent powers. Article 1, the United States Constitution establishes the legislative branch, which consists of Congress. Now, Congress in addition to other enumerated responsibilities that they have, is responsible for creating the laws. That is the foundational responsibility of Congress. The executive does not create the laws. It enforces the laws. And the executive falls under Article 2, the executive branch. And you know that Who's in the executive branch? It's all those folks in the White House, the cabinet, all those folks. But it's also the regulatory agencies that are run by the executive branch, by the executive. And he identifies heads of the various departments. That is, these regulatory agencies. Another way to describe them is the bureaucracy and more recently, the deep state. 
And we're going to talk about that in a minute because the U.S. Supreme Court issued a ruling that affected the deep state, that affected the regulatory agencies. This one was the EPA, but it's going to have broader impact. So that's Article 2 is the executive branch. They carry out the laws and enforce the laws. And Article 3 is the judicial branch. They interpret the laws passed by the legislative branch. But there are overlapping interests between these various uh, these various branches of government. The executive gets to nominate members of the judicial. But they must be approved through a consent and approval process by the legislative branch, i.e. the Senate. And they can, this, the legislative branch can remove the executive through impeachment process. We've seen that only too much when it comes to, uh, well, Bill Clinton was in there and uh, Donald Trump was too. So there are a number of overlapping checks and balances. If the executive oversteps, he can be slapped down by the judicial, by the U.S. Supreme Court. Remember Richard Nixon and the tapes? Yes, indeed. And so this overlapping interaction between the various branches of government, including, by the way, uh, the president can veto Congress in passing of a law. But then Congress can override the veto with two-thirds vote in both houses. Another check and balance. So it's genius. It's nothing short of genius, and it is critical and any sort of attempts by the Democratic Party to undermine these checks and balances, these separation of powers, would be improper. And if the Republican Party did it, it would be equally improper. It is nothing short of brilliant, and it has worked for decades, indeed centuries. It has worked to our advantage. Because things have not moved so quickly. So one of these branches has gone through some pretty important shifts over the last several years in its makeup, some people say. Some say that the makeup of the conservative justices on the U.S. Supreme Court now is allowing them to legislate their conservative ideals. I would argue and suggest that in fact it is not legislating, it is the opposite of that. It is preventing overreach by legislators or overreach by the executive branch. And that's what the Supreme Court is here to do. And they must do it by interpreting the Constitution. Not a Constitution that one wishes exists, but one that actually exists. And there are many 
that say that for 50 years, the idea that abortion is a right, as articulated through privacy language in the the Constitution, 14th Amendment, was a mistake. It read into the Constitution something that wasn't there, even if we wish it was. It simply wasn't there. Now, we can create it. We can, if we have the support, make that change. But otherwise, it's going to have to occur at the state level. It is left, if it's not enumerated, it is left to the states. So, uh, you know, that, that is something that many disagree with. I'm not taking sides on this. You'll have never heard me talk about abortion on this show. All I can say is there is a view. That it is a woman's body and it is a woman's right to decide what to do with her body and it is improper for the government to tell her she cannot. There is another view that life begins at conception, for example, and a woman's right to choose stops when it comes to ending life. For people to say, vehemently to say one is right the other is wrong that's it discussion over that's what the that's what the discussion is that's what the debate is that we're having and we've had it for 50 years and we're going to have it for many many more years it isn't going to go away because of the Dobbs decision but there were more decisions There were more decisions that came down during this term that are very important as well. You know the Dobbs decision was 6-3 to regarding a Mississippi abortion law, 5-4 to on overruling Roe v. Wade. Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, concurred regarding the Mississippi law, but he dissented on overruling Roe v. Wade. That was Chief uh, Justice Roberts. But Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, all overruled Roe v. Wade, saying it was a mistake from the beginning, basically. When we get back, come back, we're going to talk about the gun rights decision, the EPA rulemaking decision, the church and state decision, the immigration decision, all coming down during this term in the United States Supreme Court. An amazing, amazing term. So make sure to stay with us, and we have a caller on the other side of the break. If he can hold on, we'll get him on the air as well. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Go to ParkerDK.com, though. And we were trying different things, and we were smoking funny things, making love on my belay to our favorite song. We're back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker on this 4th of July weekend. Let's celebrate together the Union of States. We got a caller from St. Paul. Vincent from St. Paul, you're on the air with the Victory Hour. How are you today? 
I'm fine. Thank you very much. Aloha. Uh, hey. <laughs> um, you mentioned a lot of decisions from the came down out from the United States Supreme Court. One is veterans, and has to do with states. And I don't think, it, from my my understanding, limited understanding, it has nothing to do with the federal VA, but it has to do with states VA, and maybe lawsuits or whatever, you know. But you know. If you have people going after their rights, maybe soon, who's going to get the money? Are the veterans going to get money or are the lawyers going to get the money? Well, thank you, Vincent, for the call. Uh, important uh, decisions coming down from the U.S. Supreme Court. I will tell you, Vincent, I'm not familiar with the uh, veterans decision. I reviewed about nine or ten decisions. That was uh, not one of them, not that it isn't uh, an important one. I just have to say that I'm not familiar with it. I will say that in a five to four vote, and I want to cover a few of these now, Vincent, uh, is the Native Rights decision, which was very interesting. Kavanaugh, Thomas, Roberts, Alito, and Barrett were the majority. Gorsuch uh, wrote the dissent along with Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor. It's not often that you see a decision like that, but here's why. The, the issue was that in Oklahoma, could uh, Oklahoma, the state, prosecute non-Native Americans who uh, engaged in illegal conduct uh, in, on the reservation? And the, uh, uh, the majority opinion by Kavanaugh said, uh, yes, Oklahoma can do that and can claw back authority uh, on the reservation from the sovereignty of the tribes. Justice Gorsuch said, oh, no. Uh, Kavanaugh said Indian country is part of the state, not separate from the state. That's a quote. Gorsuch, who had written the landmark decision in 2020, just a couple of years ago, in Oklahoma, asserted that the court should enforce long-ignored treaties, recounting centuries of broken promises to Native American tribes, and to rule the way the majority did, it would be undermining that concept uh, and picking away at, uh, continuing to, at uh, the treaties. So I don't know. I may well agree with Gorsuch on this. I think he is fast becoming one of the most authentic and brilliant uh, Supreme Court justices, consistent in his theories and analysis. Uh, The other decisions, of course, that came down, you may have uh, heard about the gun rights decision out of New York in which uh, a century-old law requiring applicants for gun permits to demonstrate, quote, proper cause and, quote, good moral moral character in order to get the gun permit, giving, obviously, uh, the, uh, the department that issues the permit a great deal of discretion. Uh, The court found that it violated the Second Amendment because those provisions were so ambiguous. Church and state, the football coach kneeling in prayer on the 50-yard line, allowed on a 6-3 to vote. 
straight down the line, Gorsuch, Thomas, Roberts, Alito, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, all saying, you're darn right, he has the right to pray. Just like those who are agnostic or atheist uh, have the right to walk and not to pray. Uh, So, you know, you're getting decisions that break down. The biggest one, I thought, other than the Dobbs case, was the EPA decision, which went headlong into the authority of the regulatory state, regulatory agencies, and it uh, ruled that you've got to go through Congress, you aren't elected, and you can't make such broad, sweeping decisions without the electeds telling you that's what you are required to do. That was a very good decision by the Supreme Court as well. Well, it's another week, and uh, I hope you can join us next week. Until then, have a wonderful 4th of July, and have a healthy, safe week. Goodbye. Justice, honor, duty, mercy, and hope. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.